Welcome to Teach Out Loud Podcast, where we highlight all the amazing educators in our state and beyond that are making a difference every day for kids. Teach Out Loud is about bringing your passion and your best self to what you are doing every day. It's trying new things, sharing ideas, and being the best version of you. It's living life to the fullest, growing, and not being afraid to take those risks. Come on this journey with us and teach out loud. I'm Travis Lape. And I'm Lisa Norris. And together we are on a journey to share and highlight amazing things happening in schools today. Welcome to another episode of Teach Out Loud. Lisa, today we have a guest from my little town of Monroe, South Dakota. I know, right? And I'm so excited to meet her because she's won like awards and she thinks outside the box. She's one of those what if kind of gals. I'm so excited to talk with her today. Well, let's meet her. Her name is Kelly Preheim. She is a kindergarten teacher in Armour, South Dakota. She incorporates birds and nature into her curriculum through transdisciplinary STEM teaching, encouraging children to be curious explorers. Kelly's work goes beyond the classroom. She has an after-school <laughs> K-8 bird club, gives bird presentations, gives PBL presentations to student teachers, teachers, writes articles about birds, and participates in citizen science. Kelly was the 2018 recipient of the Presidential Award for Excellence in Math and Science Teaching, and she received her award in Washington, D.C. this last fall. She has so much knowledge around oh this God. idea of engaging kids in teaching and learning through birds and nature that I think our guests are in for a big treat today. I know, it's so cool. What a super award. And I'm like, I want to hang out in her class. I want to go bird watching. I want to do these fun things. Welcome, well, Kelly. The, the funny thing, Lisa, before we bring Kelly in, is that since I've started figuring out what she's really doing and this whole idea of tracking birds and following birds, I've even started to take just note of birds <laughs> when they're in trees. Like, I've started to look at colors of, of the feathers, and but it's all because of Kelly. Like, I wouldn't have done that before, Like, but I've seen her on Facebook starting to post some things and share stuff, and it's like... Hmm, that's that's really kind of interesting, and so okay, that's fun. I knew to have to friend her on Facebook because I'm thinking I know Big Bird from Sesame Street, and that's about <laughs> it. Just say it. Well, hi, Kelly. Welcome to our show today. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I feel very honored. Oh yeah, we are super excited to have you here. And when we start <clears throat> our shows, we always start with your why. Um, if you want to tell our listeners why did you become an educator. I tell you, it was a long time ago when I was 17 years old. And back then, I loved to babysit kids. And when I was deciding what to do, I, people kept saying, well, you have to become an elementary teacher. I mean, they just thought I had to be. So uh, when I went to college, I, I asked the ed, teach, or the ed students, is there a teacher, a professor here that, uh, that you think is really good. And so I went to his class, I took one of his classes and sure enough, he was the one to inspire me and make me know that was where I wanted to be. Very cool. And you've been teaching for 33, is that right? How many years? 34 years. 34 years. And most of them, I know you started in second grade, but then most of them have been in kindergarten, right? Right. So right there, you have a special star or, you know, gem in your crown when you go to heaven someday because oh, kindergarten wow. teachers are special, right? Oh, they, <laughs> they have so much patience. I oh. think that's why I'm a good bird watcher because of the patience <laughs> I've gained. That could be very well be. That could very well be. So well, Kelly, 
give our listeners a little glimpse into this idea of how you've created this classroom um, tied kind of to nature and bird, birds and just the PBL aspect. Like what turned that on for you to, to start using that with kindergartners? Let's see. Well, first of all, about 10 years ago, uh, well, when I first started teaching kindergarten, it was all about experiences. It wasn't so much, there wasn't so much, so many standards and content. And now I feel like we had to, it, it changed so much and we have to push them. And I feel like I'm teaching first grade more than uh, how it started. But anyway, 10 years ago, I went to my first birding festival and uh, Dr. Swanson from USD was showing a slideshow of the birds in the area. And I was just blown away. I couldn't believe these birds were here because uh, I had always loved backyard birds and I love nature, but I didn't know about this, these other birds. So then I went birding with those people and as soon as the festival was over, I knew that's what I wanted to do with my free time is get into birding and start listing and helping with citizen science. And then it wasn't long before I took up bird photography and then uh, my husband got really tired of me talking about birds. And <laughs> so I started sharing with my kindergartners and I just happened to have a really intellectual class that year and they were just picking it up and they just were remembering. And uh, so I got some bird flashcards and I started teaching them and also learning myself. And they were starting to generate their own learning and asking so many questions and they wanted to, uh, one boy said one day, uh, can we just skip this nap time business and learn about <laughs> birds instead? And that's what we do from now on. So after lunch, they get their glass of water. We sit in front of the Promethean board and I give them a quick bird lesson every day. I love and, that. That's so fun. Uh, that was because of kids. And uh, so after I started teaching kids of kindergartners, I noticed there was, they were very interested and this common interest that we had or this passion we had made school work more interesting for them, uh, especially since it was becoming more difficult. I needed to do something to make it really exciting for them to write sentences or do subtraction story problems. So uh, this is uh, just the way I was thinking outside of the box to do something different. And uh, <clears throat> here's some of the results that I saw, like the kids became experts on something you know, birds that sure. most adults know little about. And so, wow, did their self-esteem uh, grow when they were like, my mom and dad don't even know what a dark-eyed junco is. <laughs> and so they were very confident. Oh my gosh, that's a huge word for them. Oh, to you, and so when I teach them, I always teach them the full name of the birds and they, they can remember it. And, uh, and they'll even correct, we've had a speaker come in one time and he was calling it, uh, what did he say? Oh, I can't remember. He was just saying a vulture or something. And they said, no, it's a turkey vulture. So they were <laughs> always correcting him when he would do that. And anyway, uh, so then another thing that I thought was interesting is the attention to detail and text and illustrations. So uh, when I've read the same book for many years and they're noticing things that I never noticed before. So I thought that was really cool. And uh, I started a weekly after-school bird club for the kids. Oh, cool. And so after they leave kindergarten, so anyone in elementary or high school, anyone who wants to join us can come on Monday afternoons and we either go birding or we have a bird lesson or fun activities. Uh, so I try to spread the word about birds and nature um, as much as I can. And I, 
I've noticed, like Travis said, people in my town even are, like when I go to the store, they're saying, okay, so I saw this little owl in the <laughs> field and he had long legs and what do you think it is? I mean, I'm getting bird reports all the time. <laughs> and I love that you do it for all those ages because, I mean, that's a life thing. That's a social, a life social thing that they can do, which is I think amazing. So. And, you know, you're talking about attention to detail and illustrating. I always think it's cool. I always call it God's paintbrush because if you really look at all the different types of birds, oh my gosh, they're gorgeous. And the colors and the patterns right. that you see on them is amazing. And what a great thing to bring into art or like you say, just writing about the details, those kind of things. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Right. There's, so there's like 10,000 different species in the world. Oh, and, wow. uh, and my students can learn, well, one year they learned over 400 species. I mean, it's just because they were really into it. And it's not each one knows it, but as a class, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I know that one. Uh, so uh, what else was I going to say? Well, about you know, that? you're teaching, you're teaching through your passion. Right. And, and that in itself, I think, you know, kids learning about things they want to learn about, like you've heard of Genius Hour or when they go research projects, it's, it's things that they're passionate about and then they want to learn about it. They yeah. want to go exploring. Right now, I'm just going to share my little Riker. He's all about tornadoes. He's just um, enthralled with them. And, and he um, will listen to videos over and over and over again about what to do during a tornado, how tornadoes are formed. And then he walks around and drops these little facts to me and Rick and we're like, wow. I mean, he's only six. And I'm like, you could be writing a third grade report with all the information you've learned. So I love that you're helping and showing those kids that you can teach and learn through your passion. I think that's, that's amazing. Well, in the modeling, the, the modeling yes. of you're learning right along with them. You know, when you started this journey and, and decided to do this in your classroom, it was this, it, it was this, hey, we're, we're doing this together. Like, I'm going to learn and you're going to learn. And it's okay not to, to know everything right now. That's part of the learning process. And I think too often, I mean, Lisa, you, you mentor first-year teachers. I think too often our first-year teachers sometimes put so much pressure on themselves that they've got to say things the right way, and it's got to be perfect, and it's got to, you know, they've got to have all the facts rather than just sometimes saying, you know what, I'm going to get back to you on that. I don't know that right now, but that's a great question. Let's figure that out together. Right. And I think that's so fascinating that you've done this at just the youngest of, of learners. You've done it at that kindergarten level. If we can do this type of learning with kindergartners, this type of learning can be in every single classroom, no matter the age group. Yeah, I think it carries over. So when they go on to the older grades, I feel like that confidence is there. Mm -hmm. And uh, and also learning the scientific method. I mean, they're, they're learning oh. that when, when I take them out for walks at the lake in town, uh, we don't just talk about birds. They're like, wow, what is, what made this big crack in the ground? You know, and then we talk about, you know, drought or, and we always talk about the seasons and we roll over logs and look at all the skittly bugs underneath. And sure. we talk about all those different things. We look at webs and someone threw a cricket in the water and a fish came up and ate it. And they all gasped and looked nice. at me like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, so they were, uh, it's just, it's really fun to teach kindergarten because they are so excited about nature. And uh, the big thing here is uh, technology. You know, I love technology and I've learned so much from it, but it can uh, suck kids in and take them indoors where they should be spending more time outdoors. Amen, sister. Yeah, so we have to do something to kind of balance that out. And I think that 
uh, loving birds and nature might just be the way to get them outdoors and observing and exploring a little more. Kelly, when you first started, you had talked about, you know, kindergarten is about experiences. It was more about those things. Do you notice that? I mean, do you think we should be going back to that more? Because I agree with you. I think what kindergarten used to look like, it was play, it was experiences, it was social, it was manners. And now it's all more, like you say, it's first grade. How do you feel? Because you've been teaching for a long time. What, what do you think about that? Oh, I was hoping no one would ever ask me in a public thing like this. <laughs> oh, baby, we're on Teach Out Loud. We, we real. We tell it real. We do. We... Well, I feel like it's a, it's kind of a shame. I do, I do think that. I mean, I try to bring in lots of experiences, but there just isn't a lot of time. And right. They, can they learn how to read and write sentences? Yeah, they can, but it takes an awful lot of work. And yeah. when I think if they were maybe a year older, it would come to them much quicker. Mm -hmm. uh, so I feel like it's a little bit, it's kind of too bad. Yeah. And maybe we just need a balance, you know, lay off a right. little bit and then pull those uh, other experiences and the free play back in. But uh, that's just my opinion. Well, and, and there is, there is a lot of, a lot of research or studies done on the idea that when kids are interested <laughs> in something, things happen quicker. So mm -hmm. the writing process can happen quicker if mm -hmm. kids are interested in in whatever they're learning to then want to document it. So I think of the way you've incorporated nature and birds, like that's a great way to leverage, hey, let's journal, let's, mm -hmm. let's document what we've done today. You know, it doesn't have to be a full-fledged paragraph of, of content. It can be just simple listening and um, putting things down on paper, just getting them to, to do a little bit of that. But I think we have to figure out how do we engage kids in those meaningful experiences like you have from your classroom that then just naturally leads its way into the curriculum rather than sometimes I think the curriculum dictates so much of things right. that then teachers don't feel like they can be creative or innovative or go back to something they've, they've done before because, oh, the curriculum is telling me X, Y, Z right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And we had a group come in from Ohio called PAST, and uh, they, they were the ones that got me started on the PBL, the project-based learning, and I really am grateful to that. And they, they're the ones that told me, go with this passion of birds, you know, go ahead, you know, step out of the box a little bit and see, and, and it did work. And so that was really nice. And so some of the project-based learning things we've done is like, uh, we, we did a... <clears throat> I made a small, a short PowerPoint and had my kids present it to the high school students and they were going to help us build nest boxes or wow. bird houses for How the great. town. And How still, it was cool. Yeah. They were so brave. And then we got to go into the shop and help build and we got to paint them and, and we got to go out with them and watch them put them up. And uh, every year we, well, not this year, but every year we publish a annual bird field guide so each student uh, chooses two birds. I know I have a list of birds I get to choose two, and together we figure out what we're, what the details are, and then they draw the picture. It's super cute. And um, uh, our our overlying question is, how can we help our community to learn more about and care about birds? Oh, I and love so that. Then all of these projects go through that, and it helps them feel like they're helping their community. Sure. Uh, we also this year or last year's was uh, building a bird feeder complex for town. So right out by our lake, kind of by the birdhouses, 
we have a bird feeder complex and uh, the, the community is so kind by uh, donating money to help pay for the bird seeds. So that's awesome. And then there's just many other little things throughout the year, like making a hallway display about owls and then inviting the first graders to come out and then the kindergartners teach them about owls, things like well, that. Yeah, I love project-based learning. I think it's the way, it's the way to go, man. Somebody said that, um, and I've said that to my mentees as well, think about something that you love, that you're passionate about, that you really want to do, and then you can pull all the standards in. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean you literally can put a standard to anything. And so if right. you can do that, if you're into the Civil War, if you're into clowns, it doesn't matter what it is, you can bring in those standards and it's just mm -hmm. stepping outside that box. So, right. Um, well, you know, I don't skip any standards. I, I'm very good about, you know, getting them all in. Sure. That's not a problem. You know, I can still do both. Right. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say, like, throughout this whole conversation with Kelly, and I think it's important for our listeners, especially if they're young, you know, two service teachers or first second year teachers that are thinking like yeah okay like kelly's inspired me i want to do this uh it the thing that we can't overlook is the time it takes kelly to plan and prepare meaningful experiences like that mm -hmm. to make sure her standards are tied in there yeah uh, it's one thing to do a project or or that but pbl is more than just a one-day project or a two-day like it is critical to plan out purposeful project yep. activities that then do tie those things in. And so it does take time on the front end to do those things. But once you have those, now Kelly has this set up in, in a structure in place and something she can enhance each year, but she's got that structure, that baseline all in place. So I think if you're interested in something like that, definitely take a hold of this and, and re-listen to the podcast, listen to some of Kelly's wisdom of, of what she's done, um, but be be uh, just be just know that it will take some time to plan for that. But it'll be so worth it in the end, Travis. So worth it in the end. Hundred percent. Right. Okay, I'm I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. Um, it's kind of a selfish reason. So I have my little Riker. He's a kindergartner this year, and it broke my heart that he is missing out on all the social. And I talked a little bit about to Kelly yesterday when we were starting to get to know each other and. For Riker, I can sit down and I'm a teacher. I can sit down and tell him how to do math and how to do reading, but I can't just hang out and laugh about farts and bugs and, <laughs> and little boy things. And, I, and he watches other kids like what's normal, quote unquote, at that, you know, at his age, what's acceptable, what's not, building those friendships. And it just breaks my heart. I'm going to cry that he's missing out on that. So Kelly, I'm going to ask you, because you've been a kindergarten teacher for many years, how do you think we're going to get that back? You know, we had to do this whole virus thing and, and being from home. And even if you're an amazing teacher and you can do all sorts of things, how do we bring back that social piece for the kids, you know, so that they can still feel connected and still grow as little people? Boy, that is a tough question. <laughs> I know. I know. It's going to be so hard. I mean, I had a little boy. I, during the COVID teaching, I set up a seesaw uh, platform. I don't know if you know about that, but you can, up, like I uploaded our reading books and um, I attach online links and took videos of me talking to them or reading. But also they could make a video of themselves and talk to the group. 
And so one of the little boys talked to his classmates and I wrote down the quote here. He said, I really miss you guys. I wish we could just play together. What I really wish is that coronavirus was something that could help you. And uh, it was just, oh, it just really touched me. But, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, I've heard of some families where uh, the two families are both being really safe, you know, and following yeah. all the guidelines, but they get together, you know, in their okay. small group of less than 10. And that's helping the kids. But I think when they come back to school, um, I, I plan to do a lot of small group work you know, mm -hmm. setting up centers, you know, teach the lessons, set up centers, like I usually do, but make sure that they really get that time together. Yep. Where and they can interact those, and talk, yeah. Building those relationships. I mean, with you, right. and with each other, so that later on, because like right now when a Zoom comes up, Riker, he just sits there. He doesn't say a word because, oh, no. you know, it's like, but then there's some little kids who are like, hi, and they cite every single person on the Zoom meeting. It depends mm -hmm. on the kid, if they're super shy or what their personality is, but you know, building those relationships is always key, whether you're in school or not. And so, right. like you say, doing those small groups would be really helpful. I think so. And then uh, I suppose, you know, some of those groups should, for kindergarten, should be more play oriented. Yes. You know, with, with standards in mind, but I think we're going to have to do that. Um, I wonder about FaceTime, if they could FaceTime a friend and see them when it's not such a big group like a Zoom, a smaller. Right maybe that would work but yeah I know it's going to be something else because school is so much more I mean yes I don't care what grade my my one of my kids was getting his master's one's in college I've got friends who are in you know every grade level socialization is so important and mm -hmm. you get so much more from school anybody I would say anybody but you can take a textbooks you can learn at home you can google how to do pretty much anything but it's those relationships it's those social aspects that are so important and school is just so much more. I see Travis, you're shaking your head, friend. What do you think? Well, yeah, and I think the, the most important thing that has to come from this is the idea that when we come back in the fall, um, whatever that will look like, um, we, have to, we have to keep the academics on the back burner in the sense that we know there's gonna be gaps. We mm -hmm. know we're going to have to fill areas where we've never, you know, maybe not seen before, but we also have to understand that Rome was not built in one day. Yeah. So we're not going to close this achievement gap, whatever that will look like in a year. Like it, it doesn't matter. We will, we will stress people out. We will push people over the edge and what we will completely miss if that is our focus and that is our conversation is the social and emotional well-being of our kids. I was going to say that should like, be the primary focus is the social. Right. When we come back, it might take us three, four weeks to get into content. And we have to be okay with that. We have to stop having this conversation of how are we going to close the gap? How are we going to accelerate learning? How are we? That stuff means nothing if our kids' social and emotional health is not there. And so I, I, I just... It drives me nuts to be on Twitter right now because I'm watching leaders post <laughs> things all the time about how they're going to do this and what fall will look like. And I'm like, fall, we don't know what fall is going to look like in the first place. And then in the, in the second place, we should be spending a lot more time working with our staff and supporting our staff on, hey, take a breather, relax. Yep. Kids just come back and, and we do some things together as a community and as Go a- bird watching. <laughs> Yeah. Like, like no, actually, bird watching is a socially distant activity, so you yeah. can do that. Right. 
Yeah, long as you and go so alone. That's, that's my hope. I hope if, if leaders are listening and, and really taking to heart what, what this looks like, I get it like on the curriculum and the academic side, we, we are gonna have some things that are gonna happen. And I hope what comes out of this is states and Department of Education's understand that this is a long play. This yep. is a two to five year play of figuring out what just happened in nine weeks. And if parents are listening going, what do you mean that's gonna be two to five years? The whole point of this is that we don't miss the important piece of the social emotional well-being of our kids because we probably could do something within two years and be fine and try to close gaps and whatever, but we're gonna miss the most important piece and that's that relationship and that's that well-being of those those kids coming to us. Definitely. Right. I, I think, agree with you. I think, Kelly, I mean, I'm sure in kindergarten, but even if we didn't have the COVID and even if we didn't have to be home, I always try to tell my new teachers because I did it myself. I always spent the first two to three weeks just on team building and getting to know my students. And, and, um, and my colleagues were like, Lisa, we have to start math and we aren't going to get all of our standards in. We, we have to start on our reading. And I'm like, it's okay. It'll be fine because it's so much more in the long run. Those relationships and those things you built with your team, that's what's going to matter and make a difference when you're moving forward, virus or not. And I'm sure you don't experience that too, Kelly, right? With kindergarten, right. you spend a right. lot of time there, right? There's so much mothering involved too for me. It's like, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just trying to get everybody. I mean, some will say, but I want to go outside now. I want recess now. I'm like, but it's not time for recess. We can't go out now. I mean, there's things like that. They have to get over, um, you know, being the boss of their world, that they're going to have to be part of a, a group now. But another thing about COVID is, you know, this happened at the end of the year. They are, I had already been through almost all of the standards. They knew how to read. They knew how to write sentences. So now we were just trying to master skills. It'll right. be so different going into this if it's at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. If we have to miss school, wow, I just, I really worry about that. I'm, I'm letting it go and I'm having a positive. It's all going to be good and we're all going to start together. I hope so. That's, that's the goal anyway, I hope so. Yeah, I feel sorry for the kids because right now I live on the street where the pool and the baseball field is. Nobody's going out there, you know, because yeah. it's not happening and it's really going to be hard for the kids, I'm afraid. Yep, yep. Well, Kelly, yeah. you've given us, oh, go ahead, Travis. Sorry. Well, kind of to like piggyback there, there is an incredible, um, site it's called it's called i think it's virtual schools or something I'll, I'll put it in our facebook group when this podcast goes live but they're doing virtual camps throughout the summer and there are all cool. kinds of camps like jurassic age learn about the dinosaurs for you know k2 and make your own lego movie and there there's live sessions typically once a week and then it's usually like a five-week um virtual camp yeah, 100% um, free, no cost. Um, there's, I mean, all the way up to learning Spanish, introduction well, to Spanish. I and mean, I had heard at the high school, they're doing a virtual play, like the show must go online. <laughs> and they're yeah. going to do an actual, I know, right? How cool is that? So yeah. the South Dakota Discovery Center is also doing weekly things for kids. Okay. Where they have an expert come in to talk about bugs. And, and so they're doing a really good job too. And, and I, we talked about birds the other day. Oh, I was on on the bird part. So sure, yeah. And I think if we use those things, and then also just get outside and let you know. When I was a kid, my mom kicked me out the door and said, "Don't come back till supper time." And you went and you 
created and did what you needed to do. And so I think we just right. need to make sure they're going out and using their imaginations and just I having agree. fun with nature. So, you know, I got to throw one more thing in here. You know, I have gotten, I've collected like 16 pair of binoculars and I, I got, and that was through donors choose and from uh, uh, gifts that uh, uh, optic stores have given us. Also, um, I have donors that give us money for field guides. And so they have, uh, they have two field guides that stay in the room all year. And I have a bird center, classroom bird center. And anyway, I was just going to put in a plug for if they want to do the bird thing, uh, donors choose is a great way to get, you know, a good project to get going, yes. to get what you need for your classroom. Definitely. Well, Kelly, we typically wrap up our episodes with our educators really sharing a shout out that they want other educators to think about or be encouraged with. And so what would you get, what would your shout out be for our listeners today? Oh, please, please get the kids outdoors more. And <laughs> if you don't know about birds and nature, learn with them. Say, hey, this is how we can learn about what that yellow bird is with the black cap. You know, we can find out, we can, we can look on the internet, we can get a bird field guide. You know, get the kids outside more. Uh, one of the things we do is we sit outside for five minutes each morning right before recess. And I have them be quiet and sit there and look and listen. And then I ask them questions like, hey, what was that blackbird that flew over with that long tail? And I tell them about it. Or, or today we're going to talk about shapes. What shapes do you see out here in the neighborhood? And things like that. But we need to get the kids to be explorers and be curious about their natural world and encourage them to observe and ask questions. And we can learn along with them if you don't know. I love that. I'm totally gonna get little notebooks for me and Riker and we're gonna start doing that. Travis, great idea. Boys, I mean, he would love that, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, the kids love it. <laughs> I, I've learned more today than I think I have in the nine weeks of distance learning. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh, so many Kelly. great ideas. Yeah, you were wonderful, Kelly. Thank you so much for being on our show. Our listeners are going to gain so much from hearing what you had to share today. And I'm super excited moving forward, trying some of your ideas out. And hope you well, enjoyed the having me. No worries. And it's all next time. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Be part of the community. Be part of the solution. And until then, teach out loud.